Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Greetings, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. We promised to get to the spiritual buffet issue, but it may not surprise you that we needed to lay down some context first. So in today's episode, Stace presents my absolute most favorite aspect of identity, and yes, that is absolute truth, at least for the moment, the nine elements of any paradigm. These apply to all philosophies, models, religions, spiritualities, etc., and is a powerful tool to augment your consciousness quotient, or CQ. It will radically change the way you look at your world, I promise. Related to this, I'll remind you to listen to these podcasts from the beginning and in order. It's particularly important here because this episode is a challenging one to swallow for most people, and if you haven't gathered this already, we take no responsibility for any offense this may cause you, and you listen to us at your own risk. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back here, Um, and uh, as promised, we're going to go into the uh, spiritual buffet issue. Um, but before we dive into the spiritual buffet issue, it was Stace's idea to um, briefly, in quotation marks, talk about <laughs> the yes, nine right. elements of the paradigm. How do you want to set us up with that? Well, uh, since we're not as a species um, very well conditioned to think paradigmatically, uh, we, we think many levels uh, 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 lower than that, where we Um, have no trouble mostly articulating our beliefs and our biases and our frustrations and, but we're not taught to think what it to ever um, investigate what paradigm do I really hold for those who are rabidly into certain religionisms. um, That's easy. Well, uh, my paradigm is uh, born again, Christianity, or my paradigm is Buddhism. Uh, I actually had a, a woman once, uh, Joseph, um, uh, who was presenting her views on parenting, and I uh, was in the seminar, and uh, she started out uh, by saying, I just want everyone to know here, I hold no paradigms whatsoever uh, about my work, uh, on, on my opinions about what good parenting is and what bad parenting is. She had no, she claimed she had no paradigm no about paradigm. good or bad parenting. Yes, no, yes, because a paradigm is limiting and she was free of paradigms while she was going to offer her version of parenting, a good parenting model. Well, the most my love, <laughs> my love for humanity could do at that time was chuckle. Yeah. And, I, and I did raise my hand. I stopped her right at the beginning after that sentence and says, can you please explain that? I, I don't think you can be outside of a paradigm if you have a value system. <laughs> Checkmate. And, and, and she said, well, value system, something like that, I remember. And I said, well, good, bad, good parenting, bad parenting. There's yeah. values associated with that, right? Mm-hmm. And she just sort of stood there like deer in the headlights for a moment. And there was a beautiful, sad ex- example of how paradigm poor our consciousnesses are uh, and aware yeah. we're not self-aware of what paradigm has been conditioned into us yeah. uh, we think it's our second nature and it's our it's our view but 80 percent of our paradigms uh, that we're not taught to investigate are um, are conditioned into us and we think they're ours and they're not they were put into us artificially yeah now stace and i have been you and i have been talking from the nine elements of a paradigm since we began. 
Ah, that's true. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, we may want to actually talk about that. We, we can take an hour and a half for this. And, it, you know, that's, I think, would be fine. And I think we, we have to cover nine elements of a paradigm anyway. And I want to say the nine elements of the paradigm is, I mean, I, it's, I don't want to reduce your teaching in such a way. <laughs> reduce it away. It's it fine. is the most simple, oh. elegant, in, and ingenious aspect to me. <laughs> Uh, of all of your teaching. And here's why. Because it's actually somehow independent of your paradigm. It's a it's it's an yeah. aspect, it's a paradigmatic assertion or a metaphysic that has the power to help all paradigms in the past and in the future and is independent of the paradigm. And, and it, it shocks me every time I think about it why we didn't get taught this in sixth grade because yeah. it's so elementary in one way. Yeah, these are the, the elements we're going to talk about here, uh, Joseph, are the elements of all paradigms. Um, and this is also for identity's paradigm. Uh, we're, we could take, we could sift through, pour through um, uh, the paradigm of identity, a paradigm of identity through all these nine elements. Yeah. So it applies to all paradigms, uh, yeah. uh, not just identities, but as you say, it's a meta element of the mm -hmm. paradigm of identity that um, that tells us, guides us on how to look through and all of our systems. To me, the, the answer to the question why, if this is so obvious, which I think our listeners will see, why is this not understood? That's a really fascinating question for me. Uh, yeah. And that is the, the nature of um, what I call extreme objectivism, uh, subjectivism. Subjectivism. The, uh, and I, you know, we could go all the way back to the invention of the printing press here, where just like um, you were talking about with that uh, that teacher, where there's a conditioning in our society right now that tells us that having a paradigm is bad yeah. because that's an objective set of moral standards mm -hmm. by which we're supposed to live, and right. uh, that has routinely caused uh, abuse of power and all sorts of other mischief in our world. So let's try living without paradigms. <laughs> <laughs> Record scratch, like what? Well, that that alone would be a paradigmatic assertion. Let's not have it. You can't escape paradigms, like I learned uh, from you. Yeah, uh, a no path is a path. A no paradigm is a paradigm. We we can't escape it. Paradigms are the only thing that allows us, as human beings endowed with mental bodies, to orient and framework uh, uh, um, uh, what human life is all about. So it's utterly impossible for any human being to not have a paradigm. The most that they can do is be unconscious of it. And that, that alone, that's a potentially very offensive statement for yes. someone. And, and I'll tell our, our listeners this because what this model can, will give you the power to do is to see other people's paradigms better than, better than they do. Yes. And yeah. that scares the hell out of people because when you can see the paradigm, I had a martial arts teacher once that said, if you can see the path that they're on, you'll be able to see which way they'll turn. Yes, uh -huh. exactly. And it's a similar kind of thing. If you can see the yeah. paradigm that someone is living in, you'll be able to predict their decisions, predict the mistakes. You can just, because you see the road that they're on in a yes. hundred mile context, uh, you can see where way. they're going to yeah. dead end. Exactly right. Uh, and I, I must offer that uh, uh, thinking paradigmatically in exactly the way that, that you just um, offered 
surely it saves a shitload of time in yeah. evaluating other teachings. Mm -hmm. um, it takes me less than 30 seconds reading a website to know the paradigm they're coming from. And yeah. they get, paradigms can be ranked uh, in, or in order of their distortabilities. Yeah. Uh, all paradigms are like a lens through which we experience life, and we can never get around them. We, we can never get around them. So um, it's best to know what lens we're looking through, uh, even when we're especially when we're in denial that we're looking through one. Yeah, and why that there's the question for anyone who is feeling still resistant to uh, the idea of having a paradigm, I would invite them to, to consider well, what's wrong with having a paradigm? Why, where did yeah. you get that idea? Yeah, uh, right. That's instructive right there. Yes, Joseph. Yeah. Um, because uh, you're about to find out if you keep listening exactly what your paradigm is. And yes. it's, you'd think that people would know. But, uh, you know, yes. when I look back at uh, where I was living in, you know, my 20s and, and, and a little bit after that, no, I had no idea what my paradigm was. I was a spiritual buffet artist, which mm. is what we're eventually going to get to. <laughs> yes. Um, but I guess we should start with uh, the nine elements. Yeah. Yeah, one more footnote before we go is um, I just want to address an elephant in the paradigmatic room <laughs> in that, uh, that uh, in our n now um, uh, uh, PC, uh, uh, politically correct, paradigmized media world, um, it has gotten to the point, which is why this conversation is really helpful, that there's been a democratization uh, of all belief systems, that mm. we all just have different points of view, and there's no evaluative metric or uh, or rubric to um, uh, um, classify a certain yeah. belief system as, let's say, uh, less than uh, sophisticated. Yeah. Um, um, and so, um, a, a, a Shiite Muslim, radicalized Muslim who believes he's going to have sex with 72 virgins at his beck and call after he um, uh, uh, murders infidels. Um, uh, identity in this current climate is equivalent to that um, uh, paradigm because the uh, uh, everyone's got a right to what they believe. Well, which, well, it, which is itself a paradigm. That yes. goes at least as far back as anthropology, which is 1851. At least, at, um, least yeah. at least. So I just wanted to address that because identity takes the stand and says not all paradigms are equivalent. Uh, mm -hmm. Just because everyone has a right to believe whatever they want doesn't make what they believe in uh, uh, subjectively or objectively accurate. Well, a, fl in the a flat earther, like a yeah, flat earther. Right. And the, the right. confusion, I think, is in essence an expression one, right? It's like, at essence, everybody has the same worth. Yes, But of if I have a leaky pipe, the mm -hmm. plumber is more valuable to me than the carpenter or the bad yes. plumber. And yes. <laughs> I get to stand with pride to say, you are better right now for me. Yes. yes. Uh, or you're the better plumber or whatever. And so... Um, yeah, this over-democratization, it's a symptom of the extreme subjectivism, uh, which um, I've been thinking a lot about related to the level of uh, uh, extreme woke consciousness stuff. I was yeah. just emailing with someone uh, talking about where did this come from academically, because they, they were the po the deconstructionists, the post-structuralists like Derrida and Jacques Lacan, who... Post-modern post philosophy. Yes, uh, right. Well, yeah, that's where the... the, um, the uh, post-structuralists came out of postmodern, I believe. Yes, right. And um, 
and so it began but all of that started with the invention of the printing press you know because of like oh look my point of view is equal to the priest who's been interpreting this text for a thousand years well yeah in one way you have to decide what's right for you and uh-huh. it's true that they've been oppressing you so it's good that you've got your own copy of the bible in german and all that but mm-hmm. it also might be that the person knows something you don't and right. so we swung from the extreme objectivism of the catholic church oppression and we're yes. still swinging to extreme subjectivism yes. uh, and today I, I so i was emailing with this person and they said that in it's trending now in real estate they're no longer calling master bedrooms master bedrooms they're calling them primary bedrooms because you know the master word is too evocative of slavery uh yeah and that's a paradigm (laughs) it is that's right uh oh god one last point i promise and we'll dive into this um, and that is that um identity would mournfully offer that a radical muslim's paradigm that they're going to get 72 virgins for murdering thousands of people um, is um i could say unsophisticated at the top end and childish on the bottom end mm-hmm. um uh, with, with mournful heart not negative judgmental uh, smugness uh but the metaphor here is a 12 year old can do as much damage with an uzi as a 35-year-old. Yeah. And so this whole idea, there's so much muddy muddy thinking and foggy uh, uh, perceptions around it and politically correct uh, uh, overlays that the whole the whole paradigmatic system has become a real mishmash, mishugana. Uh, yeah. It just and has. we would say to that Muslim, of course, you know, in uh, on, on the other side of things is like they're dead ending a paradigm. They're doing what is true for them that is appropriate yes. for their soul age. So right. at, at the level of all of that, it's entirely true for them. Yes. Yeah. But not ultimately true. We would. Well, offer. yeah, we yeah, we would say uh, it's true, but not real. Yeah. Uh, right. And I love that you brought that forward here because contextually to our whole uh, podcast today, I want to remind listeners that um, uh, the, the, the offering of identity of growth itself is about sticking with what feels right to you until for you, it dead ends. Yeah. Okay. And that, that dead end can come from hearing someone else talk about another paradigm. You go, oh, I think I'm done with Catholicism or whatever uh, situation you're in. So you've got to stick with what feels right to you and offer, if you want to live an examine life, you have to have curiosity about whether how attached you are to your paradigm, uh, which is different than a belief system. So let's jump into that right yeah, now. please. So the identity offers, there's nine elements to every paradigm, even yours, even if you don't have a paradigm. And especially if you don't feel like you have a paradigm. Mm-hmm. One, there's um, there's a cosmo- there's a, a, a cosmology. Um, it the cosmology. Um, no, let's let's start with the other way around. Um, Usually, start with the cosmology and then cosmology. Yeah, okay. After. Let's start with it. The cosmology is the architecture of reality that um, that you are consciously or unconsciously abiding in. If you're a Christian, the architecture of reality is uh, heaven. Uh, earth and hell. That's the architecture of reality, and never the twain shall meet in any of those. 
Um, you have one lifetime in the uh, middle layer uh, to get it right. Um, and if you get it wrong, you go to hell, or if you get it right, you go to heaven. So there's an architecture of reality. Advaita Vedanta, his architecture of reality is um, witnessless beingness. Okay, um, that's all there is. There's no layers. It's witness, witnessless beingness. Um, for Zen, of course, it's non-duality, which is roughly equivalent to Advaita Vedanta that way. If you're a Mormon, of course, uh, you have a, a heaven and hell thing, but boy, the way you live on in the middle layer of earth is very different than a Scientologist would or an, an atheistic um, uh, secularist. Right. Scientologist, yeah, Scientology. You want to do the Scientologist cosmology because that's there's this guy on another planet, really far away. That's like, well, yeah. Well, that's the same with Mormons. That God is oh, living right. on, a, on a physical planet. I forgot uh, about that, right? Yeah. So there are some linkages between Mormonism and and Scientology paradigmatically, right? And I just want to add here on this first one. It's um this one's usually fairly easy to discern, um, but um it can be very tricky to discern what a paradigms uh, thing is for each one of these steps. Sometimes you have to really go digging. Like yeah. uh, Judaism, for example, the metaphysics are really, really vague. And yes. to find out like when we get to cause of suffering for that one, it's really hard to really pin down. Uh, sure. But just because it's not pin downable or stated on some document doesn't right. mean it's there. And that's where the real sleuthing comes. Sometimes it doesn't you have mean to, it's not there. Yeah, yeah sometimes you have to kind of intuit or piece together things to get to what that is. Yeah, the Kabbalah is um, is a is a good example of that. I'm glad you brought that up because to trying to, to try to get the cosmology of Kabbalah, Kabbalic, uh, 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 um, what's the purest one? I forget. Uh, 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 it's very difficult to uh, sift it out. So, okay, so the the architecture of reality um, for an atheist, of course, um, uh, all there is is uh, the physical reality, and of course, uh, since consciousness is created by brain brain tissue, the afterlife is not, uh, and you just it's lights out at death. Um, uh, for identity, the architecture is quite interesting. Um, it has many levels of um, of, uh, of of consciousness available. Uh, to us in the bigger God field, as it's called, but um, we won't be going through all the all the elements and all all the paradigms here. Just the structure of it today, the spinal skeleton, as a the cosmology, the architecture that you're working with, consciously or unconsciously. The second uh, element is cosmogony. How did the current architecture of reality and perception? Uh, um, how did it come to be in the first place? And I remember um, well, that word cosmogony is the same root as Genesis, beginning. That's how I remember that uh, word. Yes, for cosmogenic. Yeah. Cosmogenic. What did it arise out of? Of course, for a secular humanist, it's the Big Bang, uh, or an empiricist, it's the Big Bang. Um, it's the seven days of creation for uh, Catholic uh, Christianity in general. Um, every paradigm has how did things come about? as to be what they are today. And interestingly, I'm pretty sure Islam subscribes to the seven days as well because yes. their metaphysics yeah. are sort of stacked on Christianities. Right. Uh, and of course, the cosmogony for Christianity uh, is what uh, it all happened that way. Not the second, the second level of it, uh, the reason it got so bad is that uh, Eve decided that uh, they should eat from the tree of self-knowledge and um, 
this was um, uh, she thought this was a sacred gift from God. The apple there is just a metaphor, of course. Well, you just jumped to the cause of suffering, isn't that the third one? Um, no, but I just wanted to um, okay. say something about that. How did the the cosmogony is? How did it get the way it is? The second level of that is how did it become so bad where there's such a thing as hell when there wasn't a hell? Oh, uh, right. Yeah, the relationship. Yeah. Right, so what exactly. you want to look for in paradigms is what is the relationship between the cosmogony and the cosmology? What That's is it. it and how did what it is come into being? Because the linkages between the these nine points are where the real magic is. Exactly right. And as you just ref referenced, the third element of, um, of all, any paradigm is the cause of human suffering. Um, uh, Maslow would have one um, uh, uh, explanation for the cause of human suffering. Um, Freud might have another. Uh, uh, Christianity, of course, has the Garden of Eden's uh, disobedience. Mohammedans um, uh, um, uh, have it uh, uh, to the degree they are not in total submission to Allah. Uh, causes problems. It's total submission, 100% submission. Well, with Islam, isn't it more, um, I did some digging on this a while back, um, uh, pride was the closest thing I could get to the cause of suffering in uh, Islam. Yeah, what I mean is the problem is you're uh, not submitting for, with pride. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Because the right? submission, Islam literally means surrender. Surrender. That's, that's, the, that's the antidote to the pride that you have. But what's the cause of pride? Because you're um, not surrendered? It's kind of circular? Yes, that's it. It's a complete, it's all on one latitude. <laughs> oh, gee, I never really made that. See, that's a great example of how powerful this is. So it's, it's, an egg, it's a chicken and egg problem. Well, so, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I'll have to process this later. How, how did- <laughs> That's a real trap. The, well, well, it's interesting because- how how did how did uh, imperfect humans, from uh, Muhammad's point of view, how did they acquire pride? Uh, that that becomes the question. Then why by, they're by not, not being surrendered? By not but, being but, it's a circular yeah, argument. exactly circular argument. So they don't yeah. they don't subscribe to the the Genesis uh, tree of knowledge they're, they're, because because Abraham um, was the founding father. Not so not so. Um, uh, uh, blurrily, um, the founding father of both uh, uh, Islam and uh, Judaism, uh, they were revered differently, uh, revered as a, as a really contributing prophet for Islam. But because of that, yes, they share a, a similar Old Testament Judaic yeah. um, uh, Genesis Islam's considered story. an Abrahamic religion, I thought, just... Um, well, not since Moses. Um, oh, basically, the modern form. Uh, well, Judaism is more Abrahamish, but mm -hmm. Christianity is more Mosaic. Uh, oh. It was after the Ten Commandments came through that Moses sort of supplanted uh, Abraham, and then off you went to the to the right. um, arm of Christianity from Judaism. Okay. Well, we're going down a rabbit hole of Joseph's personal curiosity. We better stop <laughs> that. Otherwise, okay, I'll so get even real smaller. So let's summarize the three that we just said. There's a cosmology, an architecture of reality, uh, uh, and perception. Um, the cosmogony is where the cosmology or architecture came from. And then the next element is what's the cause of human suffering? Um, for as it relates to the first two, because it's going to be connected to, the, to theology and the uh, beginning right. of it. These elements don't always uh, uh, resonantly. Um, uh, relate to each other, which is a clue that the paradigm is not sober. Um, uh, incoherent, yeah. Incoherent. <laughs> Let's say insober and be nice. <laughs> I feel good today. Uh, 
the uh, 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 in the end, this assay of paradigmatic elements um, is a rubric for determining the sobriety or insobriety of your paradigm. So if you say um, uh, um, a, 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 a Satan um, uh, stuck his pitchfork in the first uh, uh, Mohammedan and said, I've got a better deal for you. Um, pride is, is, uh, is, is better than submission. Um, well, okay, that may or may not be acceptable because there is a, there is a Satan uh, in Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, wh where did that come from and how? But uh, the cause of human suffering uh, is a big one because that, that cause of human suffering determines then the next element. Um, what's, what is the fourth element is what's the way offered by the par paradigm to heal the cause of suffering, mm -hmm. uh, uh, good works or good works or um, good dogma um, are the two uh, twin ones for Christianity. There's the dogmatists, um, and then there's the good workers. Uh, uh, Baptists tend to be the dogmatists, and Presbyterians tend to be the good workers. Uh, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, uh, but it's, Christianity it's, depends on the sect. There's so many different variations, but if yeah, you really I, nail them to the floor, you'll eventually get some clear answers vis-a-vis right. yeah. the nine elements. So that's really important in a paradigm because if they if they offer the cause of human suffering, they they also offer um, the uh, solution to it. So that's the better way to say it. And those two things are inextricably intertwined in yes. a diagnostic kind of dynamic that is kind of lost on many people uh, in general, especially, you know, most of the diagnostics these days have to do with uh, in Western medicine. And West Western medicine doesn't do a whole lot of the majority of Western medicine is treating the symptoms of something rather right. than actually curing an illness. And so right. there's a lot of conditioning that um, messes with our ability to think in terms of root cause, diagnosis, and solution. Because yes. all of medicine is not really based on that necessarily, even though it would say it is. You bet. Okay, so in that, in that vein, um, uh, the final, the next, the, the fourth element is what's their definition? What's a paradigm's definition of the ultimate state of human consciousness? And here's where it becomes fun to start rolling in Eastern esotericism uh, mm -hmm. to the conversation here, which we haven't talked much about. Mm -hmm. uh, the cause of human suffering is, uh, uh, depending on the sect, for example, in Buddhism or Hinduism, uh, desire, personal desire is a big, a big bugaboo for them. Personal attachments to personal desire, over-attachments, um, is uh, the, um, the uh, way that... Uh, the, the state of consciousness as a goal, which is the next one, right? So, um, wait, let's, let's, let me just hang on here. Excuse me, my head burst just burped. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Because the way to heal suffering. Yeah. The way to heal suffering. That's right? four, right? Way That's to heal four. That's Five the is four. the ultimate goal. Yeah, what's the ultimate goal? For Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta, for example, it's enlightenment or uh, what's the term uh, moksha in uh, Advaita Vedanta? They're basically equivalent. Mm -hmm. And that's the law, the exposure that the personal self has never existed, does not exist now, and will never exist. The uh, breakthrough that you don't exist as a personal I is their ultimate um, state of, of consciousness, uh, which is the goal of 
how do you heal human suffering, right? Right, because so, the cause is over-identification with self and personal attachment, therefore realizing there's no I is the solution. Exactly right. Very simple. Uh, um, obey the Ten Commandments in Christianity and in, in Judaism mostly, um, and uh, you'll go to heaven. Uh, that's the solution. Obey the commandments. Obey. Um, uh, uh, turn your whole personal will over to God. That's yeah. the way you get to the ultimate. And ultimate, though, for, for Christianity, the ultimacy isn't found here on earth. It's only found in heaven. At least right. Buddhism and uh, Hinduism say that you can find it while you're here, for which they should be congratulated, yes. uh, at least. Yeah. Right. And uh, for a, um, a Maslowian, um, uh, self-actualization is the ultimate state of uh, the top tier of human consciousness if you self-actualize. Because the um, self is real. And that's right. It's completely that's right. secular. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. So that's that element. Um, anything One of the things I, I, I find really fascinating when I, when I talk about this with people is the, well, I'll just say it by example, that if someone is, say, on a Christian path where they're looking to, um, you know, uh, be saved, which is a lot of the language that um, many Christians would use, they want to be saved and, uh, you know, find the glory of God uh, in heaven, that that actually requires a subscription to that the Adam and Eve story was literally true. Yes, literally true. And yes. the th interesting thing is, I think I've seen surveys that something like 40% of Christians or more don't actually believe that Adam and Eve is a literal story. <laughs> and that's a really big problem, paradigmatically speaking, because it's like, okay, so if your commitment to Jesus is a reparation for um, the Adam and Eve thing, then the whole thing makes internal coherent sense. Yes. But if you don't believe Adam and Eve really happened, then what is the source of your original sin? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you have this disconnect between the cause and the effect, and that's what we are talking about is in sober. I think actually think incoherent is kinder. But it depends on how you define it. <laughs> it just doesn't cohere. It's not incoherent yeah, it like foolish. Literally, yeah. it just doesn't cohere. It doesn't connect. Right, right. And that's why picking, cherry picking your elements of what you want to believe in and your system and your paradigm is so detrimental to sobriety. Right. And that's which we'll get to later. Yeah. yeah because it's like so when um, I actually was talking to someone about a month ago who was um, wrestling with their um uh, a divorce because he was brought up with a lot of catholic conditioning and um he didn't want to get divorced because of that and i and i said do you i was being a little playful with him because it seemed to fit i said do you believe that adam and eve or like that that actually happened and he said no and i said do you believe that you know when the priest does his thing that the um, wine actually turns into blood and he said no and i said well i have some good news for you you're not a catholic <laughs> so you can get divorced Yes. <laughs> and that really made his head spin for a little while. Um, See, and there, well, so what a beautiful example, Joseph, of how unclear people are. Um, their conditioning goes so deep, it, 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 it um, confuses the rational mind. There's no critical thinking yeah. about their belief system then. You, uh, for someone who doesn't believe in Adam and Eve, uh, uh, doesn't believe that Jesus was born with spermless birth, um, mm -hmm. They're a Catholic, not a Catholic. Uh, uh, they're they're yeah. they're they're too, they're they're addicted to a Catholic, Catholically to Catholicism. This is 
can we connect that? Like, I, I don't know Christianity well enough, but or Catholicism well enough, but, but believing that you can't get divorced comes from the over-authoritarianism of the church, the hierarchy in the church, where they said you um, can't get divorced because we need more members? Where does that come from? No, uh, being a, a recovering Catholic myself, yes, you um, would know. Uh, I, I'm that's I'm forever recovering. Uh, I'm pretty much past it, but let's keep the AA terminology going here. You know, <laughs> which is I'm also in, a I'm in recovery, it. right? Uh-huh. I'm also in recovery from guruism, uh, which we had a guruitis actually, that disease, and we'll talk about that soon. Also, next time probably, yeah. Yeah. So no, in Catholicism, um, the whole point of marriage is children. It's a sacrament, right? And so you're not, lust is is one of the seven deadly sins. And so technically, if you're a true Catholic, you can't have lust without sinning, even with your wife. Now, you're, you're pastor of your church, and maybe your bishop, and maybe even your cardinal, but the Pope won't go there, might say um, that, uh, uh, well, you know, as long as you love the the parent, you know, the Catholic Church has got some space here, but it doesn't dogmatically have that space, which is another proof of its insobriety because it will enforce it sometimes and not other times. Yeah. Well, then what are you guys all doing there with all that gold and Vatican City? Do you know? It's, so, um, what's how do we connect? Can we connect that divorce yeah. thing all the way up to the top? That's what's a really fun for me if we can pull well, that off. Well, um, uh, if the whole point of marriage is to procreate children, because that's what God wants, um, and and God be fruitful is, and you know, multiply, right? That's in the be, Bible. Be, be fruitful and multiply. That's it. That's that's basically where where the attic uh, uh, ends up is is it's a it's a it's a mandate from God to be fruitful and multiply. So you can't get divorced, and so all this religious overlay to marriage, and then. In the secular society, it even goes into governmental um, uh, contracting uh, uh, mm-hmm. for for um, so it, even secular um, governmental stuff has been conditioned by spiritual um, teachings on marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's all crazy that way. So does, does that make sense? Did I answer <clears throat> your question? Yeah, and I just realized that the divorce thing actually would be covered under ethics or morals. That'd be further yes, down. Is, we haven't. I'm getting ahead yeah, of ourselves. Exactly right. Yeah, and that goes leads us to the next uh, element, and that is a basic value system that mm-hmm. defines good and bad. Um, it may seem to most people that they have an innate, natural sense of what's good or bad, um, and there's there's some overlap there. Uh, um, we we all might say, well, some people might say uh, 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 suicide is bad, and not not suiciding is good. Um, but if you had a a, a um, uh, a terminal brain tumor, uh, and uh, or plaque on the brain, such that, um, like Robin Williams, that where he was losing his mind, his, his identity, and, and couldn't think linearly anymore, and he suicided. Uh, who's to judge that suicide is is um, is bad in that case? In other words, a value system to be a, a credible value system can't find a whole lot of exceptions to its value system. Uh, secular humanism, um, that's another whole podcast, for example, is based on relativism. And, uh, and, and religious right. uh, uh, value systems, systems are based on revelationalism, revelation from God, whereas 
Well, in secular humanism, um, uh, stealing some bread to feed your kid because uh, they're sick uh, is a different sin than stealing uh, money from the bank if you want to buy a Ferrari. So they, they would uh, their, their value systems would be a little adjudicative of the difference between those two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but about the value system, and I don't separate these two, the value system is the belief system. So you could also say here, this next element is the beliefs in the values of the paradigm, right? And so it hits here where we think that there are collisions of, 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 of belief systems in the world between Islam and Judaism or between um, uh, 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 secularism and, um, and uh, the Far Eastern esotericism. Really, they're collision of paradigms because the belief system or the value system is part of the bigger paradigmatic skeleton. So it's not collisions of belief systems. That's just where the rubber meets the, uh, the objective road. But, but it's actually further up the scale, uh, collisions of paradigms, of points of view. Of ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so the, the, the I mean? people experience the conflict at downstream um, levels. It, but it's sort of like I remember once you were saying, like, uh, there was in the news, this was, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, what, the, a pope met with some prominent uh, Islamic imam. And, mm-hmm. um, like, can, can you imagine the conversation? Like, each of them thinks the other is going to hell. Yes. How yeah. intimate a conversation can that really be? <laughs> um, and they're not authentic. They're, surely they're not authentically saying, hey, I think you're going to hell. You think I'm going to hell. Let's just talk about how we can get along here somehow. They don't do that. And so each of them is sort of standing back from their true selves, yeah. trying to negotiate some kind of, you know, <laughs> but whatever. It's, it's crazy. I remember that example. And the, the most I could imagine them doing is after they acknowledge the impossibility of any negotiation, they just, let's have some anisette, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's have a drink. Uh, it might actually help. Yeah. In that <laughs> Relativize sense, them. Right. And, and that's why, bless his heart, he's certainly an improvement over the, the past Pope. Um, but even the present Pope, uh, Francis, um, he's big on ecumenism. But as you just are inferring here, the belief system, the value system of Catholicism, they could not. He knows of of all the people in the Catholic Church, the Pope knows the dogma best. Sure. So if he doesn't say, listen, oh, patriarch, uh, my my stand in there, not the imam, but maybe it's in the the Russian Orthodox Church, you know. uh, I, I think we can agree on a lot of stuff, um, but if he's talking with um, uh, 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 an emir, you know, he's got to say, you're going to hell. You are going to hell. He can't say that and be ecumenical. So mm-hmm. the ecumenist, all, all this whole thing, let's find the common linkages between all of our belief systems. Um, that's basically a nice thought, but it's an impossible a reality if you stick to your dogmatic gun and guns. Right. And if you don't have, don't stick to your dogmatic guns, then you're not a Catholic or you're not uh, uh, an, uh, an imam. You must stick to your dogmatics. That's part what your paradigm says. So you can't on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday hold the dogmatics <laughs> with no um, exceptions and then go to an ecumenical a synod and say, oh, what do we have in common with each other rather than what we have in different? Right, which looks but, very altruistic, but oh, it's, it looks, it's an impossibility. It looks, 
Yeah. And the reason they're not doing it is because if they lived wholly in integrity with the tenets of their paradigm, it would dead end faster. And that's what they're trying to avoid because they somewhere in them, they intuitively get that. Hmm. I don't think the blood actually turns into wine. It was this article. (laughs) Did you see? I don't remember if uh, if we were connected at the time when there was this um, a a group of nuns who were producing a gluten free uh, Eucharist. Yes. You remember this? I do. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and what, what heck were the problems they had? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly what the article was about, but I just remember being like, well, I mean, if you're really turning it into the body of Christ, then it doesn't <laughs> matter if the person, if the receiver of it has a wheat allergy or a gluten <laughs> allergy, does it? In other words, that you're having to produce a gluten-free Eucharist wafer means you're not actually producing the body of Christ because it's producing allergy responses. And then the whole paradigm falls apart right there. Right. It has to. It's what you're, what, what we're saying here. And again, Joseph and I, and you'll see this uh, if you look at the, the video of our podcast, but you know, we're laughing, but, but though the laughing comes, comes out of crying yeah, it's and not derision. It's, it's it's not it's not derision. It's 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 heartful outrage. Yeah, uh, I, I'd like to say it that way. It's that's pretty. It's not though. it's not it's heartful outrage. It's wait wait. How can you live what you say is your deepest truth and contradict yourself so completely? Uh, and and there are and, and Buddhism would step in in this case and say, well, look, your logical mind is blown. That's the whole point. You know, <laughs> oh, so God. this is why That's this is why Eastern esotericism is so smugly um, uh, uh, damaging the human uh, uh, soul and heart, is yeah. because anything that goes against, if you confront their contradictions, they will say, "Yes, of course, it's contradictory." That's right. the whole point. And then, and then the, the whole congregation, the whole uh, satsang. Uh, um, uh, they exhale and wonder, and they're, oh my yeah, God, yeah. what a brilliant teacher, you know? Well, you know, I have something to insert there. Um, I heard Ajashanti once say, and he was my Zen teacher for a while, um, and I heard him say once that the confusion people encounter very often is when a Zen teacher says something to someone, they're not offering absolute truth. What they're giving you very likely is a strategy that is relevant to your awakening path which makes sense and is true and can be a very slippery way to avoid having a paradigm. And here's why. Let let me enter the element that solves that whole equation. Uh What they say to a current seeker may be custom lasered to Mm -hmm. theirs. It's not absolute truth. This is for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk in a koan, so maybe you awaken to the next degree, right? Yeah. But what, the, what, what is never confronted, wait, there is an absolute truth inherent to your teaching, and that is there's no such thing as the I. That's non-negotiable. Yeah. It, you, a, an enlightened teacher cannot say that that is not an absolute truth because their whole paradigm is based on the fact that the I is an illusion. Yeah. So that is non-negotiable. And that non-negotiability is the problem behind the innocent koanic offering. You see, oh right, because if there's no there's no I there's no I over here saying this to you, and there's no I over there actually listening to it, 
So right. if this isn't if this isn't the whole truth, it's kind of sort of fuzzes it all out. It doesn't really matter so much. Well, let's let's take it again. Some some heartful outrage. Let's take it mm-hmm. one more step. I who have no eye are going to offer you who feels you have an eye uh, not to have an eye anymore. And if I'm successful, then my not eye and your not eye, even though they can't connect, will somehow bask in a mutual. Um, Notness. Yeah, well, connection okay. will connect with itself and abide with abidance and all that. Exactly right. And if they if they take that element, there's no reason to ever have satsang. Yeah. Because in the end, the end game is I'm nobody, you're nobody, so there can be no relatedness. So what's the whole point of sitting here and talking about getting you enlightened? You see, this is a real problem. That's I've I've tried to bring this to a couple enlightened people, and they just change the subject fast, you know? Well, I, I did hear that um, Ajahnsi said something like, um, I heard him say once, like one of the original traditions, maybe around the time of the Buddha or maybe after, was that there would be a coming together for two or three months of the year and everybody's practice would be, uh, was assumed to be solo the rest of the year. But yeah. there are plenty of paradigms that are heavily Eastern influenced that are ashr- ashramic, right? Where everybody's yeah. living together all the time. Exactly. Look at what Osho did. That was extremely social. Yeah. That's a lot of people in one place for no eyes ultimately existing. Well, identity in this domain, which would be another whole podcast rabbit hole, yes, uh, w- would offer that the Buddha would not hold any absolute truth that there's no such thing as the eye. Hmm. He would say the eye is co-arising in concert with the connection of outside experience. So uh-huh. the eye is wedded to outside experiences. So it, it doesn't exist as a noun, he would say, I would offer. But it is exist as a verb that constantly is being reinforced by outside experience. And then if, an, uh, uh, unlike um, uh, someone who asked this of, um, of um, what's her name, Eli Jackson Bear and uh, Gangaji. Uh, Gangaji. Someone asked uh, Gangaji, you know, is there an afterlife in, uh, in your picture of things? He says, no, of course not. It just, it just, it's all black at, the, at death because there's no I. It's all created by the body-mind. If you ask Buddha, when the Buddha was asked for, is there an afterlife? He would say, we can't know till after we die. So anything we, we would, uh, I would offer here would be a theory. So why don't you just wait till we see we die? Yeah. He would never say, uh-huh. There's an absolute truth of anything because everything is impermanently in flux 100% of the time. It's just direct experience or nothing. Yeah, exactly. He didn't take secondary positions about his paradigm. He was too uh-huh. busy living it. It wasn't until Buddhism uh, moved to uh, Chan and uh, into China and Japan that the reason for the reason there's no I uh, became a position. Right, because it can't be an ism unless you have positions. Right. Right. You can't build an ism out of what are you directly experiencing right now? Hinduism, Buddhism. And when I've heard Buddhisms and Hindus say we don't be we're not paradigms, well, okay. Um, let's have that that uh, schnapp. Let's get some schnapps on the table here now, or (laughs) Anazette, right? You know, I mean you just can't talk to people who hold their point of view in a closed fist of absolutism instead of an open hand of curiosity. Right, you just can't. Yeah, and so, I want to I speak to the heartful outrage for a second, um, just to own for me, because that's something I'm always watching on myself, because I, I certainly am a recovering uh, 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 smug intellectual. I, I have that in me, I admit. 
um, for me, like, yeah, it's like it's either laugh or cry. Um, and uh, it's certainly easier to laugh, but there are moments where I certainly cry. And it also comes from me in aloneness of like, I want more people on the yeah. planet to um, that I relate with and also relate with each other, with people I don't even know, just to live a life that actually makes sense coherently to itself. And when you start learning to just even think this way, much less live this way, the paradigmatic incoherence is, oh my God, I mean, it starts, I start to feel terror inside when I really feel it. It's just, it's like nails, bleeding nails on a chalkboard. It's the cause of so much suffering and so much pain and so much unnecessary heartache. And um, it's just because so the vast majority of people are dead ending, old, distorted, uncritical thinking paradigms. And it's just, I mean, it weighs on me every day of my life. And it's much easier to laugh than to cry about that. Um, well said, Joseph. Uh, there are days, and this is important to include in our discussion here, uh, as you just did so heartfully. I, I, I will spend days on and off, the whole days weeping exactly about what you're saying. Paradigmatic insobriety and paradigmatic collisions yeah. are the cause of 95% of suffering on the planet. What we're trying to do is come in from a very counterintuitive place and look at, put X-ray, an X-ray vision to the nature of paradigms, not as a way to smugly judge them, but as a way to unhook them, unplug them from human consciousness gradually and respectfully so there's less suffering in the world. And, and, and when we laugh a bit here about the incoherency of gluten, gluten-free uh, hosts, um, you know, some of these things are comical. It is they're, funny. They're yeah. just comical. And someone with an open heart sometimes just laughs about this. But yeah. if you laugh and don't cry, you're just a smug jerk. Get yeah. out of my sight, you know. But if, but if you're if you're pain, if if some of the comedy comes out of your pain, that's just being the spectrum of consciousness with the the, the capacity of human beings. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's not mean to laugh at a child who, you know, tries to, I don't know, does something silly, like tries to hit a baseball while it's in their own hand or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't help but laugh because of just the innocence of oh, that. Good metaphor. Um, good you know, because kids fall, you know, do all sorts of crazy stuff. And just because yeah. we laugh at their folly doesn't mean we think they're, you know, unworthy or lesser beings. They're just learning. And, you know, klutziness is part of that. Um, yeah. So so let's, let, let's just, let me own something just like you just did. Every person I meet, I don't care what their paradigm is. That person knows how to be them one way or another. I don't know how to be them. They know how to be them. I don't know how to be them. And I cherish every human being I I ever meet now, in the past now and in the future, as showing me what I want to be more of or what I want to be less of. Um, uh, and that to me, if we all did that, we would have a lot more, uh, uh communicative sobriety than we have now. Yeah. So yeah. every, every person I meet, no matter their belief system is someone that I don't know how to be. And maybe I can learn something. I, I, I always have an open heart. I don't, I don't learn a whole lot from, from the majority of people I meet. Uh, because I can see through their paradigms in less than 10 seconds, mostly. 
Um, but, but maybe they know something about their paradigm that I could still learn. There's always something to learn from someone always. Sure. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is a meta context to our, um, if you're a little offended by how seemingly laughably comedic comedic, we are about some of the crazy notions and paradigms, come on, these paradigms came out of the axial age a pre-psychological age, and they can't change they can't evolve dogmatically yeah. bound religions and, and spiritual teachings can't evolve. Buddhism can't evolve beyond the eye is an illusion. Right. Because like, let's say in Christianity, the cause of suffering, suffering is original sin. See Adam and Eve story, which you must believe is original, the, the literal truth. Otherwise it won't make sense. Right. And then 120 years ago, you have, Oh, look, psychology, Childhood wounding causes suffering, and here's exactly how. What's Christianity going to do with that? You can't just fold that in. Oh, yeah, there's a second sin, the sins of the parents. Oh, no, wait, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. Well, that's a direct contradiction. You ha They have to, to be paradigmatically, yeah, bringing tears to my eyes, too. They yeah. have to ignore all of psychology and hide the fact that they're ignoring it. Yes. They have to. They, Otherwise, they the whole thing to. falls apart. It's, it's, I'm putting my fingers in my ears, la, 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 la. Um, and, and what astounds me, especially about Christianity, including Catholicism, is that they've went through this before with Galileo and Copernicus. Yeah. Sorry, another paradigm outgunned them. Mm -hmm. and, and they moved from, from terra-centricity to heliocentricity. But shh. Right. It just took them, what, we, 400 years to admit they made a mistake or something? And they threatened to excommunicate Galileo if he right. didn't recant, right? So yeah. um, they've got to uh, put that under the rug into their omerta, uh, um, you know, their silence, um, and not address it directly because they've been so spectacularly wrong. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so well, and they, and they know their customers, the, the, yes. um, um, like we talked about before with Soul Age, are looking yeah. for a very secure, rigid set of rules to make life safe feeling. Um, yeah. And so if they start saying, I don't know too much, they're, they're going to lose popularity. They're going to lose their, uh, their congregations and yeah. can't have that and still have all that gold sitting in the vaults in Vatican City, right? Yeah, can't lose all that tax-free revenue. Right. So we're in the element of tax-free. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. financial aggregates of churches. Yes. Their profits are like 180%. 180%. Because yep. Okay. So the basic value system, what this is good and what is bad. The next element in the tree of a paradigm is a, a set of ethical standards um, that, that adjudicate um, situational applications um, I've got to have an, are you ethical? Do you tell the truth? I can't help you um, ascertain um, whether if you're open to what is good and bad in your paradigm, uh, are you going to tell me the truth about, about what, um, what, what your real truth is? Or are you going to spin it so as uh, to be more acceptable to the conversation? Mm -hmm. For There's one example there, right? You've got to have a, a, an ethical system that says, this is good because, and this is bad because. Are we still okay. on uh, six or is this seven? Uh, this is seven. 
Okay. It's the set of ethical standards or behaviors that express the basic value system. Right. The good so, and bad, that's six. This is the expression of that seven right. ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, good and bad. It's good to kill. It's good to be alive. It's bad to be dead unless you're going to heaven. Okay. Right. So it's so Which now I wanted ethics, to insert before, I'm sorry about suicide. Um, I wanted oh, yeah. to insert that before because Western medicine says that paradigmatically being alive is better than being dead. That's yeah. what justifies all the crazy measures they do uh, in order to keep people alive as long as possible, uh, even if their quality of life is poor. Uh, they, it's cover, it's CYA time, make sure they don't get sued. Uh, and then and, and medicine, modern medicine is terrified of death. Yeah. Terrified of it. And, and, and so do no harm. I'm sorry, the Hippocratic Oath is broken every single day in every For hospital sure. in the world every day. Yeah, there's a paradigmatic rift for sure that's operating every sure. day. Okay, so it's good to be alive, it's bad to be dead. Therefore, if you kill someone, now we're in the in the realm of ethics, uh -huh. behaviors that express the good and bad of the uh, belief system and the um uh, of the paradigm, right? Not that ethical standards and finally, um, right. don't kill, don't suicide, stay as long exactly, stay alive exactly. as long as you can, all of that are ethics. Right. And then you have to have a moral code, next element, eighth element, a moral code that adjudicates uh, in sticky situation whether this behavior is good, expresses the good, or this behavior expresses the bad. Um, there's got to be a moral code that says, okay, in situations like this, if you're stealing because your child is hungry, right. that's a different um, moral code than when it would say, all uh, thieving okay. is is wrong. You okay, see? Yeah, because I used to get confused. I still get confused. The difference between morals and ethics because they're used synonymously sometimes. So you're saying, yeah. yeah, the ethics is killing is bad, and then the morals modifies the ethics as well. If someone attacks you and tries to kill you, then it's okay to kill them. Yes, exactly. The moral code adjudicates conflicts in the ethical standards, and the ethical standards going back up the ladder, um, represent the good and bad of the, of the, of the value system. That's so cool. Uh, we should have been taught this in eighth grade. Wow. Uh, it, yeah, it's, this is not rocket science. Um, but then what uh, would happen? You'd go home, the students would go home and challenge all of the ethics of their parents and split, split the whole thing wide open. As I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I got shut down trying to help uh, bringing joy to uh, an emotion, uh, legitimization of emotion. And uh, the, the born-again parents... Uh, you're, is colliding with our paradigm. I, they didn't say this, colliding with our belief system. Yeah. So I had to shut it down. Right? Well, the, the tragic thing is you can't actually teach anything of value without um, colliding with someone's paradigm. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's why the species stays so stupid, tragically. And, 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 I, and when I hear the word stupid, okay, just so people, listeners know, it's, it's not, not what I meant. I felt no, something no, else no, when no, I said I'm, stupid. I'm gonna, but go ahead. No, no, I'm going to legitimate it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't see S-T-U-P-I-D. I see S-T-O-O-P-E-D. Uh, stupid. Yeah. Uh, they're stooped over. They're not standing erect in their heart and their mind and their clarity. Yeah. They're bent over. And that when you're bent over, you concave yourself instead of yeah. convex yourself. Convex, when you're convex, you're open to what life has to teach you. When you're concave, yeah. you're protective, right? Yeah, and this so is stupid, stupid. Yeah, and it's it's tragic because people they're not standing to their full height, and um, because these paradigms literally have them pretzeled 
because maybe this starts to answer the question of the uh, if we ever get to the paradigmatic, if you live according to a distorted paradigm or do the cherry picking from multiple paradigms, it's like uh, what happens when a tree tries to grow in a, um, you know, when there's obstacles to it, it grows around it, it goes crooked over here, it goes crooked over there, it goes crooked over here, and then it can easily be blown over by the wind because it's not a healthy tree. It's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be whole and have coherent paradigms. And we weaken ourselves when we try to embody these contradictions. We become an expression of those contradictions. Yes. Um, There's something I want to say. Oh, it made me uh, think of when um, your wife, Bree, said, about um, people wanting to change on their terms uh-huh. versus <laughs> terms. That's but, an oxymoron. Uh, exactly, uh, yeah. Because the you know, um, uh, Stace and I have both worked with lots of people trying to help them, and what you inevitably, and I think any therapist and lots of coaches would agree with this as well, when you try to help someone evolve, you eventually run into a paradigmatic problem, sometimes at the level of values. So like, you know- Mostly at the level of values. Mostly yeah. the level, right. So the public education is structured in a way, it's implicitly asking this question, what can we teach that would be valuable, that would be digestible to all people without challenging anyone's value system? Most common answer, denominator. Exactly. Yeah. And the answer is nothing very useful. Yes. Because as soon as you start talking about useful things, sex, money, relationships, relating with other people, management even, you run right into what's good and bad, how should we conduct ourselves, and that zips all the way up to where are we, why are we here, and what should we be doing with our lives? Exactly. You oh, can't I avoid love- it. No, and and that's so beautifully said. Um, uh, I What I hear you saying uh, in, in a heartfelt way uh, you, by the way, when you see the video, this uh, Joseph's eyebrows are, are like <laughs> are this, not, not, not like this. They're not, not they're down. Not like this, right? right? Um, is that no growth, no vertical growth of consciousness happens unless value systems are confronted. Okay. Yeah. In, in other words, psychology can get away with it. They can say, okay, what can I, how can I help you, but stay within your value systems? Psychologists tend to be very timid this way. They, they, they're PC that way. They, they don't want to change anyone's values. They want to help you feel better in your life while you maintain your values. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not technically true 100% of the time, but that's basically the teaching. You, you're not, if, you're, if you start confronting people's values in your therapist's office, you're heading up a therapeutic cult then right. because you're not being egalitarianly supportive of you're not, you're not there to put anything on that client there. You're supposed to help them find their own inside their value system. And our picture of things, that's fine. That works. Uh, if you want to stop smoking and learn how to communicate yeah. better with your spouse, that's fine. If it didn't help at all, people, they wouldn't be doing it. Right. We're talking about the meaning of life here. Yeah. The paradigm determines the quotient of what is your me- what's your meaningfulness of life standard. And in that sense, growth uh, can't happen till, again, we give the room on the other end, stick with what you throw all this podcast stuff out that we're talking about, stick with what you're doing until it dead ends. And maybe you'll need help knowing it's dead ended. You, you, you haven't really confronted the dead end, like the person, the guy with the, 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 the Catholicism who didn't want to get divorced. He had, he didn't know he hit a dead end there, but yeah. he had. That's why he was so confused. Yeah. 
no value changes, no, no meaningful meaningfulness of life factor change. And that goes right to a point I want to make in this, um, uh, uh, at this tier of, of our uh, moral code is that the moral code that you live with, that's part of this whole paradigm, um, tell, assigns you a CQ factor, you, which is consciousness quotient. Consciousness quotient. You can have a ton of IQs stuffed between your ears and have a very low CQ when you have high IQ. Often those are correlated. High IQ often correlates with low CQ. Um, just look at uh, born-again politicians. Um, I have a saying in, in the business coaching that I do. Um, I find doctors, lawyers, engineers, and accountants, um, yeah. people who have a lot of technical training, uh, yeah. they become very intelligent, but it narrows their consciousness field so they have difficulty thinking in um, you know, inferential, inferential uh, right. ways. Yeah, if you have a high IQ, you, in this world, you're rewarded to have low CQ. Yes, we're, right. We're, we're trying to elevate CQ here in this discussion about paradigms. That's the main goal here. Become conscious of all the ways you've got yourself tied in knots, but don't know it because you've been so conditioned to tie yourself in knots um, that you don't know you're tied in knots. And there's a whole consciousness spectrum waiting for you to experience it that's locked out of your awareness when you don't have curiosity about the natures of your beliefs. So, so this is so, this is the whole meta context to this podcast. Yeah. In that way. And so back to the, the terms thing I wanted to mention, it's what people coming from choose your paradigm, shadow, ego, uh -huh. uh, what we'll talk about is being green at some point, defense systems, people, they, they want to change the results in their life. They're, outer circumstances or their internal state without having to change who they are. Yes. Without having to change their values, without having to change their ethics, without having to change their cosmology, cosmogony, their picture, yeah. all of that. And the yeah. answer is you can't. You can't. You can't because it, they're inextricably intertwined. And that's the power of the nine elements of the paradigm that is so oh, amazing. Beautifully to me. said. It shows exactly yeah. how your picture of the very nature of reality um, trickles downstream into the results you have or don't have in your life. And as long as you're in a, that box, if it's limited, then your results will be limited too. And it, you have to change, not on your terms, but on the terms of, well, if I let go of this long-held belief, this long-held value, well, who am I then? Yeah, yes. that's exactly what you have to face. That's exactly right. You got to get naked. You got to get take off all your belief clothes, all your values that have dead ended you, or else you wouldn't be seeking help. Yeah. So you can't. You it's not. You can't change clothes here. You have to get naked. Yeah. And then see what clothes draw are drawn to you as expressions, uh, forms, and expressions of your being. The deeper you strip down to essentials, which is very, very difficult for most people to ever do, to let go that far. Um, then they think they're being cultized, which is another whole. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's right. that's the problem so, because if you mandate someone get naked, yeah, that's what cultists do. That's exactly and, right. But that has more to do with how it's done rather yeah. than whether it's yeah. done or not. Yes. Which we'll so get let's to complete. next episode. Yes, term, please. Term. 
Um, I added this term, it used to be eight, but I made it nine because a summary of all the other eight elements is, 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 is explainable by the basic assumptions you have about the human, about human consciousness. And that goes down to uh, I, I blank, therefore I blank statements, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, I, 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 am, I have original sin, therefore I am forever tainted. Um, that is all of Christianity and most of, um, uh, of Islam also in Judaism, of course. Uh, there's, there's an original sin is a really weird thing in Islam. Uh, yeah. It's hinted at, but not, not really talked yeah, about. Yeah, it's vague. But I just thought of um, like basic assumptions like men are, and here's an easy one, women are. So yes. the, the very poor um, patriarchal reputation that women have in our society is very easily zipped all the way up to Adam and Eve. Yes. Right? Sure. It's, that's where it comes from uh, right. in, in Judeo-Christianity. Exactly. Whether it, and so then that's where it's really weird, where if someone thinks women are less than men, how that got into them came yes. through the conditioning of Adam and Eve, yes, which they don't even necessarily believe in, but that's exactly. how it's all wired up. It's wild how that can happen. Yeah, Col- whole cultures and societies can be conditioned by religious teachings without knowing they've been conditioned by religious teachings. Yeah, even and so, atheists and agnostics. Uh, yeah, they, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They take religion so seriously as talking for God that uh, <laughs> they mm-hmm. kind of go all the way to the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So these basic assumptions about the human conditions, uh, which come from the value systems, but they're they're bottomed out. You hit the bottom of the cellar here of the uh, of what is your orientation to consciousness? I think, therefore, I am. Uh, I is an illusion, therefore, I am not. Um, what what is your existential statement that is part of your paradigm? It's almost like the sum at the bottom and the basic cause that goes right back up to the top. Mm-hmm. It sort of spirals right back in some sort of circular uh, way uh, that, that your basic assumptions about the nature of consciousness. Uh, I, I am a product of my mind. Therefore, uh, I have a limited time on earth and I die when I, my consciousness dies, when my, my, my consciousness dies, when I die, gives away, I think, therefore I am, right? Mm-hmm. So these, these kinds of things, if you take, if someone who's really interested in uh, becoming as whole of being as they can, which means they have to get naked and increase their CQ. If you take them through, like the blueprint that we use in personhood, mm-hmm. Joseph, um, you take them through and, and reveal through, only take three, four, five sessions for most people, to take them through these elements and give them an assay of the sobriety or insobriety, contradictional or silly, uh, childish fairy tales or felt truths in them, not artificially put in. You can take someone through this, uh, these nine elements, and yeah. help them help them grow and seek you. Yeah, and symptoms may include nausea, dizziness, uh, existential distress, confusion, uh, ostracization having- of your from your family, yeah. from your friends, from yeah. your uh, community. Um, don't dare to start thinking independently. But and this is all, it, it already is going on. Like I had a client who uh, got off of alcohol a while back and he lost all of his friends because they just, they didn't want to hang out with him because he didn't drink anymore. So yeah. we already hang out with people who resonate with us at the level of some values. We're just yes. calling for, hey, are you clear about what those are? 
and mm-hmm. are those values you really, really subscribe to? I it just while you were talking a minute ago, I didn't realize when we were going to talk about the spiritual buffet thing, which is I guess where we should go next. I didn't, well, yeah. I get why now you wanted to talk about the nine elements because you you can't talk about the buffet thing without talking about the nine elements first. We've already talked about eighty percent of it. Now we just got to do the icing on the cake. Yes. We've already that's, talked a little bit about it. And that that's a that's a whole that, that is a good ninety minutes right there though. Still, as as, sure. we'll, as we'll see. Oh really. Yeah, it, it will go that way, I promise. Okay, uh, well, becomes, let's touch upon it. Yeah. So the, the whole paradigmatic thing, um, I want to make one other point, uh, which we'll continue in the next one about spiritual buffet. Um, and that is that, uh, and this is the headline, because we don't have that much time left. Um, the headline is most people would say, wait, 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 you two. Um, uh, uh, isn't aren't all the problems of the world? Well, let's, let me I'll say it another way. The problem is not not with your paradigms. The problem is how absolutely you grip your paradigms. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, when we get to uh, taking an element from this paradigm and matching with that paradigm and that paradigm and trying to make it together into a whole. Uh, the the premise behind that is adherence to one paradigm ism is causing most of the religious sufferings in the world. Uh, uh, if you have only have one paradigm and you can't cherry pick from look at all these other good paradigms, if I put it together in my own personal way, then um, I'll be way better off here. I'll, I'll find myself that way. And we would like to offer Joseph and I that that's how you lose yourself even more. Mm. And that the that the headline is. The answer to the problems of over-attachment to one paradigmism is not multi-paradigms. The problem in one paradigmism is the absolute way they hold their truths. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, not one paradigmism. If, a one, if identity offers, here's a paradigm that includes all the other ones, honors every other one out there, you can find an identity. There's good in all paradigms. It, it separates the wheat from the chaff and says, come test this. We don't hold all of our truths and identity with an absolute basis. We hold it with an open hand. Show, show us contradiction. Show us where this doesn't fit. Because there's, last point, there's three elements that you discuss, you, 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 um, that you can uh, uh, dis- reveal the sobriety or coherency in your case uh, of a paradigm. And that is one, they cannot contradict one element in it, cannot contradict another element. That, that's the first one, right? The second one is all of the elements that you do hold in your paradigm must be held non-absolutely. Um, there's nothing that anyone can um, uh, ever say as a human being that they know absolutely true. Uh, that alone, is a, is a paradigm shatterer. No human being can know absolute truth. None, none, right? And so, and the last one is uh, to, uh, to determine if your, your paradigm is sober is um, how, how well does it explain, how, how well does it replace the paradigm you had as explaining the human condition to you better than the paradigm you hold? Hmm. In other words, Heliocentricity 
replace terra terra centricity. Explain more phenomena, right? It explain more phenomenon. So that last element is a, a sober element has to show itself to to explain reality better than the one it seeks to replace. It has to be right. an improvement, not just a lateral move. Right. It's got to, or else CQ doesn't increase. Right. People do that sometimes. People sometimes go from a sophisticated paradigm, albeit confused, to a less sophisticated one. I've seen that. Yeah, I've I've seen um, brilliant scientists um, uh, become born again Christians. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they've had an emotional break of some kind. And, yeah, well, uh, it's, and it's understandable because there's no not a whole lot of emotional support in scientism. That's right. So let's let's sum up here, Mr. Joseph Mann. Um, wait, wait, hold on a second. Are you saying we're going to have to do a whole other episode on the spiritual buffet thing that we haven't sufficiently covered it? Or oh, we haven't mentioned even half of it. <laughs> wow, okay. Cool. Okay. That's why I'm, you're the talent and I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, um, we'll, I promise we'll have, even if it's if it's 62 minutes, it'll be, it's, it's, it's Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah cuz I've got questions about what it actually does to people. But great. Yeah. Okay, so let's sum up today then. Yeah, so our next one, I'll say one more thing for what you just said. Mm-hmm. The next one will be um, how to make hay while the sun shines with everything we talked about today. It's where the rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. right? Um, we had to certain first outline the whole system before we could say, here's how to apply it in everyday human life. Right? Uh, uh-huh. So what we're summarized today is something that Joseph so beautifully said at the beginning should have been taught to us uh, in at least seventh grade uh, mm-hmm. uh, before you went to high school. And then have advanced courses in high school, the nature of paradigms. Humans cannot live without a paradigm. Animals live without paradigms. They're just action reaction. They have minds. um, They do, but they're not aware they have minds like human beings. Mm -hmm. And so what it boils down to is we're not just animal. We have a mind that's lateral to existence, but we also are vertical to our mind, we have a way to look at our mind, which is we're aware of our self-awareness. That awareness of self-awareness requires paradigmatic maps. If you don't have a paradigmatic map and just say, uh, I'm an animal, I, I only act and react, then you can't even have any one opinion that you feel is right, because everything is in flux at all moments. Hmm. The point being is, Human beings, because they're they're aware, we're aware, we're self-aware. We need maps. That's not a reductionism of our soul or our heart or our spirit. It's what's required. Wow! In so the, you're saying a paradigm is, is is as intrinsic an aspect of a human being as a hand is or a nose. It's yes. because it's just it's because it's a it's an artifact of our very consciousness. It is, wow. but it's a, a critical artifact. Yeah. The, the, um, uh, the paradigm of a bird, uh, uh, they, they will, all, all it involves is building a nest. It's all survival based. Yeah. When you're aware of that, you're not, that you're aware, you're interested in thrival. How can I make things better? Not just at action reaction, but in consideration. Right. I'm spending all my time looking for food. Like there's right. got to be a better way that requires right. awareness of awareness. They don't have time to create paradigms like we do. Uh, uh, they're busy surviving, and that. But yeah. we have that nature in us. We have an animal nature of sure. that. Of that. 
but we've got something they don't have. We're aware, we're self-aware. And the proof and why, why we need paradigms is because the proof that those different, we're different than animals that way is that animals don't commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Mm-hmm. We commit suicide because we have despair about the meaning of life. Animals are aware, they love, they, they fear, um, they know death is coming, they can sense it, they're afraid, mm-hmm. but they don't commit suicide because they don't have any other alternative way to live. Whereas aware you are self-aware, that means we need paradigmatic maps to give us meaning. It doesn't mean the paradigm is an artifact artificial it's the way yeah. we have to um, navigate human existence yeah a structural feature is a better term than uh artifact. structural feature mm-hmm. and so what we talked about today was the elements of paradigms and we want to end with here today my and i'm done with my side here is how required they are for beings who are aware that they're self-aware mm. yeah that's a lot to chew on i mean I've never heard you talk about that, how um, paradigms are actually, that means they're an essential feature um, and not just, we talked about this before, I think, how all human beings are philosophers, whether they realize it or not, and this is why. Because you have to have a paradigm, you can't not have one, and you can't not test it, therefore you can't not dead end, therefore you can't not learn, and then you can't not evolve, and that's the (laughs) mandate. And, and you don't evolve, then you don't have uh, even a modicum of CQ, right? Right. At least for all her goofiness, uh, Ayn Rand spoke to the necessity of paradigms in so many words in her objectivistic, her, her, not her teaching books, not her, her novels. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, she talked about the necessity for a worldview um, and that it's perfectly human to do it, even though she was an atheist, uh, which artificializes at another whole level. Um, but even in a spirit-based paradigm, we need paradigms, even as, as spiritual beings having human experience, we need paradigms. When we die, we don't need paradigms because the paradigm, which we can never know while we're alive fully, is presented to us without a whole lot of filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while we're here, we need these. And the whole point of it, last point, I promise, is identity tentatively and cautiously offers that its paradigm will set it up for you to have your afterlife experience while you're still alive. Mm. That's a big claim. We don't want you to believe it. Mm. We just want you to test it uh, like any good scientific uh, um, uh, orientation. So that's what made today worthwhile for me to talk about and and thank you so much for your always, uh, you're the best interviewer I've ever had. Oh, thank so you. That's it. That's it. I, I had a ton of fun today. I didn't even know we were going to talk about the nine elements. This is one of my like top three most favorite things to talk about. So I could do it for hours. I want to write a whole book um, about uh, oh, the, the nine elements do. one day. Yeah. I, I only have one chapter and one book about paradigm. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah it's, I, I mean, forget seventh grade, you know, where it would challenge people too too much. What about philosophy 101 in college? Like, hey, you're Mm going to learn a bunch of different philosophies. Here's the anatomy of them. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. And uh, sure. Yeah. 
If there's well, no comparative paradigm paradigmatism in in college, so they well, don't they have comp- comparative religions, but inside yeah. the collegiate everything is equal thing, you yes. can't cut with too no. sharp a blade. Otherwise, you'd no, be accused no, no. of not being woke enough these days. <laughs> exactly. How dare you be judgmental <laughs> and like you know? Because if you look too close, you start to see the contradictions, and now you're a racist yeah. or you know a, a, a whateverist, and you can't well, do that. I, I, I love what you just said when someone says. You're being so judgmental. They're they're being judgmental in right, that yes. moment. I mean, I, mean, I it remember becomes, it becomes a merry-go-round of hilarity. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I I I think I went to I went to college and like the heyday, the beginning of the heyday of, of political correctness. I was in college from ninety three to ninety two to ninety six, and I remember the first freshman seminar I took was a an anthropology one. And we read this book that was an ethnography of this obscure culture in like Papua New Guinea or something where they uh, did this ritual where somebody would have these wings on them and people were putting out torches on their back and burning this person horribly. And it just looked like this primitive, tribal, grotesque display. And then the whole point of the book was by the end, you understood that that ritual made perfect sense. Inside of their world. Yeah. And so, but the point, the sort of implicit point of the of the course was you got an A if you saw that our culture here in the US is just as arbitrary as that culture. Yes. And that's the paradigm of anthropology. Like if you stand in the right spot, it's all pretty much the same. Who cares? Yes. And we're saying, like, yes, and you can also hierarchicalize it because yes. some is realer or truer than others. I forget what you're using. Both, both. We could yeah. go both ways. Yeah, uh, it's um, true for you. What's true for you, flat earthism, might not be real. Yeah. Um, so real is the base tone rubric, and true is what what you feel is is real. So, so this this is what what makes this. You know, it's like I always feel the pressure of the of the zeitgeist when we talk about this kind of stuff because right now the the culture is moving in a direction of. Um, more egalitarianism and forget what's true. Uh, And and this flies in the face of that. Uh, So it always makes me a little nervous when I talk with people about this kind of stuff because, you know, I don't want people to feel judged or anything. But again, like we were saying, people can't really change. They can't really improve their situation if they're not willing to look at their paradigms with a harsh light. It's been 40 years I've been trying to get this paradigm out, 38 years technically. and um, it's spitting into the wind. You have to spit into the wind, and you got to assume some of your own spit's going to come back to you because the wind is don't don't make me more conscious. I don't want to be more conscious because then I'll lose my my family, I'll lose my belief system, I'll lo- I'll lose my community, I'll lose my place in society, whatever it is. Don't make me more conscious, please. Yeah. And we're saying, oh, sorry. Okay, then stick with what you're sticking with, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple lifetimes, maybe, um, or maybe not. Maybe we're wrong, and, you, sure. and you're all right. Uh, maybe there is it wasn't Adam and Eve, and maybe to fear God uh, 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 is not an oxymoron. Um, yeah. Maybe. If that's the case, then it's the backyard eternal barbecue for me, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet my, not my life, I'm, I'm betting my afterlife. Yeah on this paradigm because I remember pre-Stace Baron 
I remember past lives. I remember what the afterlife is like. And that either makes me crazy or let's hear what this guy has to say up to a certain point anyway, before I get uh, pissed off at him, you know? Mm. So what are you going to do? Um, one day, one lifetime, you got to go, go big or go home. This is that one for me. Yeah. So. For me too. <laughs> I know. That's why it's so wonderful to know you. Likewise. I wouldn't be able to do it without you. And after having met you, I did try to, to go back and completely failed. I dead-ended several paradigms after meeting you. <laughs> which, which was what you needed to do. Yeah, you totally. To yeah. And we'll eventually talk about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay. yes, I'm toast. Let's close here. Um, me too. Thank you so much, Stasis. This was riveting for me. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. And until next time, we wish you well on your journey. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.